0: This podcast is brought to you by Ragu Old World Style Traditional Sauce. A great sauce starts with the best ingredients. Ragu Old World Style Traditional Sauce is that great sauce. Inspired by our founder's original recipe, Ragu Old World Style Traditional Sauce is made with delicious ingredients, including vine-ripened tomatoes, chopped onions, garlic, and olive oil. Simmered together for the authentic taste you and your family will want to come back to. For recipes, sauces, and mealtime inspiration, visit ragu.com. Have you heard the name Crystal Kaiser? In Milwaukee, a sexual predator named Randy Volar, who was trafficking little girls, teens and preteens, he's white, but all the little girls, at least 20 of them, were black. Crystal Kaiser was one of them. And this summer... After being sexually assaulted by Randy Volar, she killed him. Now she's facing life in prison. In a moment, I'm going to break down her case. It's complicated. And tell you how the American justice system is failing survivors of sexual assault in so many ways. This is our 150th episode. I can hardly believe it. This is Sean King. And you are listening to The the Breakdown. The the, the, Breakdown. The Breakdown. Before we begin today's episode, I do want to give everybody a warning. Today's episode is not suited for children. All right. Particularly, I would think any children in elementary or middle school, This episode is probably too much. much. To understand where I'm about to go as I break down this horrible case with Crystal Kaiser and just the general mistreatment of survivors of sexual assault in our legal system in general, I have to go back to something that I have unpacked and explained many times, but I don't think I could ever say it enough. America's justice system. That's what it's known as. We prefer to call it America's legal system. There's very little justice there. America's legal system was not designed with victims in mind. It was certainly not designed with rehabilitation in mind. And in many ways, it was not designed for women, It was not designed to benefit women in in general. It was not designed to benefit or support victims of crimes. It was designed almost exclusively to be very punitive, and it was designed as a tool of power. It was particularly designed... For white men to be in power, to stay in power, and to suppress everybody else at the expense of that goal. I mean that. In my bones, in my heart, that's really what the book Slavery by Another Name exposes. It's really what, which won the Pulitzer Prize, it's really what The New Jim Crow by Dr. Michelle Alexander exposes And you need to understand why the system was built, who it was built for, to understand how we could not only get this case of Crystal Kaiser, but how we could see a problematic trend of survivors of sexual assault of all kinds being overlooked, mistreated in so many ways all over the country. Let me go a little deeper. Break it down. I not only want to just speak facts about this case, I want to speak facts about the issue and problem specifically. Here's what we know. When Crystal Kaiser was 16 years old, she came into contact with a 33-year-old man named Randy Volar. We know prosecutors accept this, the defense accepts this, This is fact. We know that Randy Volar sexually abused Crystal multiple times. We know it because she said so, and we know it because he filmed it. She had no idea it had been filmed. But when police arrested Volar in February of 2018, charges included sexual assault of children, and they released him... In February of 2018, without bail, even though he was arrested for the sexual assault of children, no bail. Volar, who is white, remained free from those charges for three months. Even though police found a ton of evidence that he had abused, sexually abused, at least a dozen Preteen and underage teenage black girls. And he remained free until Crystal went to Randy Volar's house this past June, shot him in the head, lit his body on fire, and left his house. Those are facts. That's what we know. All of that is true. In Randy Volar's house, they found a mountain of evidence. Photos, videos, online evidence that he was on what people call the dark web, whatever that is. Just a secret way to do illegal stuff on the internet that's not easily detected. He was using cryptocurrency to buy and trade girls, black girls. And clearly he had found a market for them, and Crystal Kaiser was one of them. The police and prosecutors knew all of that before Crystal Kaiser shot and killed him. I don't have I'm not in a conundrum. I don't have any reservations. You'll hear me say regularly that cash bail is problematic in so many ways. And it is. It's often um, a, a sentence for people in poverty who are arrested, sometimes even just for petty crimes. And because they just don't have $100, $500, one hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, a thousand, five thousand, whatever it may be. They may wait in jail for months, years, and I've seen people in jail for multiple years. Just because they couldn't afford a, what appears to be a relatively affordable cash bail, their family just doesn't have it. Randy Volar had no cash bail, and when he was released, he continued to do the very thing that police and prosecutors knew he was doing. Until he attempted to do it one last time with Crystal Kaiser and she shot and killed him. Let me let me explain so much of what went wrong there because it's going wrong all over the country. The break, the break, the breakdown. Yeah. I say certain facts over and over again because I hope that you can memorize them and they're in your brain like they're in mine. But the nation has right around 2,400 district attorney's offices. And prosecutors across the country in those 2,400 offices, their attitudes about how they should handle sexual assault varies widely across the country. On one end, you have reform-minded prosecutors that are taking an innovative, survivor-centered approach to sexual assault. They're doing things and using their offices to do things like placing survivors with trained victims advocates. And they're making sure that survivors have access to the police reports, to test results, to therapy. A district attorney's office can do all of that. On the other end, and this is, I would say, the mainstream of American prosecutors. On the other end are prosecutors who take an outdated view of sexual assault. They participate in victim blaming and shaming. They trivialize sexual sexual violence, and they even ignore survivors who come forward. And in so many ways, that's exactly what happened in the case of Randy Volar, who was sexually assaulting not just girls, but young black girls who in most prosecutors' offices just don't have value. They aren't treasured. You, you've heard me say this before just a few days ago. Do the Taylor Swift test, please. Ask yourself, what would they do if this was Taylor Swift? But in Milwaukee, it was not Taylor Swift, all right? It was 20 young black girls, from, we believe, at least as young as 12 years old on up. And the city of Milwaukee, the police department, the sheriff's office, the Kenosha County District Attorney's Office did not take it seriously. And we see this all over the country. In Travis County, Texas, District Attorney Margaret Moore has made statements about sexual assault that survivors say perpetuates a culture of disbelieving, demeaning, and ignoring them. The district attorney there, Moore, has said publicly that non-consensual sexual incidents, here's what she says, incidents by an acquaintance do not rise to the level of sexual assault. In other words, if somebody you know, which is what most sexual assaults are, are, most of them are by somebody you know, If somebody you know does something against you that you did not consent to, she says it doesn't rise to the level of sexual assault. She said that rape involving victims who had consumed alcohol or drugs are not prosecutable as a criminal act. And sexual assault survivors in Travis County are suing District Attorney Moore over their mistreatment and the mishandling of their cases. At least eight different sexual assault survivors have now sued District Attorney Moore in a class-action lawsuit alleging gender discrimination for systematically ignoring sexual assault against women and violating their right to equal protection under the law. One survivor, Emily Borchardt, also filed an individual suit against the assistant district attorney, Melinda Montford, and D.A. Margaret Moore in Travis County, alleging that the assistant district attorney made horrible statements suggesting that Borchardt consented to being sexually assaulted. She didn't. Borchardt later filed for a temporary restraining order to prevent Moore and her assistant district attorney from disparaging her in public. So we see this all over the country. and D.A. Moore there in Travis County, D.A. Moore's record has long indicated a failure to prioritize sexual assault cases. Listen to this. District Attorney Moore's office tried only one rape case out of 625 sexual assault allegations in Travis County in 2017. One out of 625. University of Texas law professor Jennifer Lauren, a great professor, disagrees with Moore's position on acquaintance rape, saying not pursuing those categories of cases is a choice that's being made. It's not something that is being forced upon her. DA Moore keeps saying, this is what I have to do. This is the law. It's not the law. In Miami-Dade County, state attorney there, Catherine Rundle, failed four women and girls, who reported sexual assault by the same police officer. Over and over again, these women and girls reported that they were being sexually assaulted by the same officer. And Rundle has a well-documented record when it comes to failing to act when law enforcement commits crimes. This is the same prosecutor's office that called it an accident when corrections officers forced Darren Rainey, an incarcerated person experiencing mental illness forced him into a scolding hot shower that burnt the man's skin off and killed him. The corrections officers locked him in the room with the shower where he could not escape it. It's one of the first injustices I ever covered as a writer. And Catherine Rundle just said, no, she's not going to prosecute those. It was an accident. It wasn't an accident. They killed Darren Rainey. Four separate reports were made to police and the state attorney's office that an officer there committed sexual assault since 2015. A 14-year-old girl came forward in 2015 and told investigators that Sergeant Minical stopped her while she was walking home and told her to get in his police truck and ordered her to have sex with him. The girl said that Menekal threatened her with arrest. I've seen this before. Threatened her with arrest if she refused and told her that she would, quote-unquote, disappear if she ever told anyone what happened. She told the police and the prosecutors. A second girl, another 17-year-old minor, told police that Menekal... Officer Menekal had detained her and made her strip down in a camera-less room at a police station just for the fun of it. A third victim said that Menekal handcuffed her and sexually assaulted her in his police truck. A fourth person. Another young woman told Menekal, told police rather that Minicoll poured her over and again forced himself on her for sex. And internal affairs investigators presented Rundle's office with evidence that Menacol had committed unlawful sexual activity with minors and had broken more than 20 different department rules and policies. Listen, this officer violated department procedure by bringing another eight women and girls into a police station without filing any reports. We have no idea what he did to those other eight women and girls, but he would regularly bring women and girls into the police station but not file any reports, forcing them to do things. But he wasn't charged with no crimes at all. The state attorney's office, that's just the district attorney's office, didn't even discipline him. In the memo closing out the case, a prosecutor referred to three of the victims as gang members. She described in her report, she described one of them as a bipolar runaway and noted a lack of corroborating evidence. In that same memo, Rundle's office hoped that the police department would deal with the matter administratively, basically saying maybe they'll take care of it. What do you think they did? Nothing. His supervisor then awarded him a raise in March of 2016, knowing about the reports of sexual assault, knowing there was a pending criminal investigation. Then his supervisor wrote, no outcome has come as this is a quote. No outcome has come as of yet from the criminal investigation and the merit raise is being recommended. So the officer got a raise, even though he was sexually assaulting children on the job. Rundle's office failed to act despite the existence of four cooperating survivors who made similar allegations. Now the case is being investigated by the FBI. Listen, newly elected District Attorney Chesa Boudin in San Francisco has a plan for a survivor-centered approach to the prosecution of sex crimes. He wants district attorneys to work with law enforcement at the earliest stage of an investigation. He wants to make sure that district attorneys will be trained and that law enforcement will be trained specifically on how to interview a sexual assault survivor, how to interact with them and take that information. And all survivors are going to be placed with a trained victim advocate who will guide them through the investigation and court process and help them with access to police reports and test results and therapy. Chaser Boudin, my friend, said he's going to make restorative justice widely available. So that survivors may choose to participate wherever it's appropriate. What we see all over the country is that district attorney's offices are prioritizing certain people in certain cases, that police departments as well are prioritizing certain people in certain cases over others, in some cases, particularly sexual assaults against girls and women of color in particular are treated as if they don't matter at all. Again, in Miami-Dade County, four different people who did not know each other independently had the courage and guts to report that they had been sexually assaulted, and the district attorney did nothing. Which brings me all the way back to Milwaukee. It's the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown. Break it down now, ha! The country, most states have a law that in some ways protects victims of human trafficking and sex trafficking. It's called affirmative defense. And if you can prove in your trial to prosecutors that you committed a crime because you were being trafficked, you can normally be acquitted of certain charges. And Wisconsin is one of the places that has that policy of affirmative defense. And I get it. Crystal Kaiser was absolutely a victim of sex trafficking, without a doubt. And because she was a victim of that, because apparently 20 different young black girls in and around Milwaukee were victims of this man, theoretically... If they did something to him to get away from him, they should be able to use affirmative defense. And what Crystal Kaiser, who was first trafficked and sexually assaulted by this man when she was just 16 years old, what she is saying is that that's exactly what happened, that he was assaulting her, attempting to sexually assault her and that she shot and killed him in that moment. Now, prosecutors are saying, hey, but we see texts from you that make us think that maybe you were planning on doing something to this man or stealing his car or doing something like that. I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't seen the text messages. All I know is that the man she killed was absolutely trafficking little children filming photos and videos of it. They found thousands of images, video files, and more in his house and have now interviewed nearly 20 different victims of his. Some of the people in the photos and videos, they haven't even identified yet. And so she was one of those victims, and she killed him. And what I'm trying to say is, how is she charged with, murder. If she killed the man who was trafficking her, how is that not an affirmative defense? And I don't know. And and in some ways, I don't mean to be flippant. I don't really care what she was texting. It's already been proven that this man was doing horrible things to little children, including her. And so that this affirmative defense, and a judge actually ruled recently that no, this affirmative defense will not apply in this case, I'm deeply disturbed by it. I'm not saying that anybody who gets shot and killed that people should be able to use affirmative defense, but what we see is, stands your ground. Remember how I started this episode. The law stands your ground, which basically says if, You, a regular citizen, not a police officer, but just a regular citizen, if you fear for your life in some moment and use lethal force to protect yourself, you're protected under the Stand Your Ground policy, which is exactly how George Zimmerman was able to get off in the murder of Trayvon Martin, a young boy who was an unarmed, nonviolent, peaceful young boy who was walking home in his own neighborhood, who was then chased and confronted by George Zimmerman, who was heavily armed. He used Stand Your Ground. But what we see all over the country is girls and women who try to use that policy or similar policies to protect themselves from demonstrably vicious men get no protection and ended up going to jail, sometimes in the case of Cyntoia Brown, who was convicted, sentenced to life. And thankfully, her sentence was commuted by an outgoing governor in Tennessee. But had that not happened, she could have been there until she was a senior citizen. So what are we going to do for Crystal Kaiser? This is not okay. It's not okay that this young girl who was trafficked by this man and shot and killed him, it's not okay that she goes to prison For life, And right now, that's what Wisconsin is threatening, that the crimes they're charging for in Wisconsin have a mandatory life sentence. In the days and weeks ahead, I'm going to continue to study this case, to learn more about it, to wrap my mind around how we're going to be able to support her. And I'm going to build some action steps with you in mind. Listen, I want to thank each of you. For listening. I cannot believe that this is our 150th episode as we continue on here day after day. Thank you so much for all of our faithful listeners and supporters. Thank you for your wonderful reviews. We are almost, almost at our holiday break, but we have a few more episodes left in 2019. But I cannot believe that we've made it all the way to episode number 150. Of course, Thank you so much to all the members of the North Star for your generous support. Thank you so much to Lysandra, uh, who is our new director of podcasting and does everything to keep me in line and helps uh, make sure this podcast works every day. And to our senior producer, who does all the hard work, making sure that each episode sounds great musically and sonically to Lysandra and Willis, Thank you all so much for your hard work. Thank you of course to the entire team and staff at the North Star and to every single one of you for not just listening but for taking all of our action steps. We have some action steps coming here to support Crystal Kaiser. Take care everybody. Break it down. Break the break the break the break. break, break.